Heart of Clay, a One Piece fan fiction, written by Trell, read by God of Laundry Baskets. Content warnings for suicidal thoughts and disassociation. It's Straw Hat that points it out, tactless as ever. Toro, you smell! Makes him look down for the first time at the ragged mess of his clothes. Prompts him to find Bartolomeo and ask, woodenly, for supplies to borrow. And not return, they both well know. And directions to the shipboard shower, the reason for his request too self-evident to need explanation. Bartolomeo sends him off almost immediately with both, grimace of disgust thinly veiled, selects the oldest and least peacock-like of his own wardrobe, and points law to the lower deck. The shower is windowless, pale tiles covering the walls and floor, running water in the bath, and an empty basin sitting off to the side. Ridding himself of the marks of battle is slow. Peeling out of his coat comes first. It's heavy, heavier than the fabric alone would be, especially with pieces missing. Weighed down, he realizes, by the quantity of his blood that's gone into it, soaked through. He drops it into the trash without looking, aware at last of how it reeks, of the way it had stuck to his skin, clung to his shoulders and back, a bloodied catalog of injury. There is blood under his fingernails, and all of it his, He doesn't clean it out, just looks at the dark lines while the water runs, thinks about the scrape of his nails over stone while he writhed at Joker's feet, tearing the skin from his fingers, unfeeling in the face of other agony. The basin fills, overflows. He turns the faucet just as water starts to slop over the edge. And slowly, slowly, he starts. Dunks his hands into the water. Picks up the soap. Closes his eyes. He begins with his hair. Works his fingers into the tangle and scrubs. Leans forward to wash the grit away. The water runs rust-brown when he opens his eyes, and that's blood, too. All his own. All his losses. He scrubs until the lacerations on his scalp sting, until he can't feel the clotted, sticky filth of it 
on his hands until the water in the basin turns into murk. Leaning forward hurts, makes the healing wounds in his gut throb with tension, but he doesn't stop, not now that he's started, not when he'll never finish at all if he does. Next, he turns to his arms, his shoulder, his back, unwraps old bandages. Somehow, he'd had the presence of mind to disinfect the wounds back on Dresrosa, doctor's habit. Drops them into the trash on top of the coat. They smell of blood, too, and antiseptic and gauze, part of the miasma that's been settled around him for days. He washes, scrubs, disinfects again with the supplies from the onboard infirmary. The water in the basin grows darker, indeterminate scum floating on the surface. His injuries burn. It's a satisfying pain, assurance of function through hurt, the first thing he's truly felt in days, immediate and real. He shucks his jeans necks, washes scrapes on his calves and his knees, tries futilely to scrub the blood stains out of the fabric, rewraps his bandages, helping himself with his teeth when he hasn't enough hands, again when... He doesn't pause, doesn't let himself think, just switches tack. A sharp pain in his right arm makes his fingers release, leaves the hand trembling. And when he's done, clean for the first time in weeks, what's left of his clothes hung to dry, he stands in the middle of the bathroom and feels lost all over again. Ritual completed. No next step. It takes him a long time to pull on the clothes donated by Bartolomeo. After, he stares at his reflection in the full-length mirror, struck into awareness by the sight. He looks awful, unrecognizable. What looks back at him from the mirror looks nothing at all like what he remembers. Looks... There's a yellowing bruise spreading down from his cheekbone. The eye above it blackened. Plasters covering his nose and his jaw. An uncovered gash stark on his forehead. His damaged arm hangs crookedly at his side. His shoulders hunched. All of him pulled downward and in, curled towards his center. Bartolomeo's clothes hang too large and too loose on his form, making his lately thin wrists look wretchedly skeletal, his height serving only to spread him thin. He looks fundamentally hollow, emptied out drained of life and will, confronting himself in the mirror and finding a caricature scrawled by failure and loss where there should have been him 
a thing without a soul, upright still, only because it hadn't thought to fall. That he was someone else mere days ago, that he had anger and defiance, a spine straight with assurance, tightly coiled of violence ready in his limbs, that can't be a reality. A story once heard in passing, serving mistakenly in place of truth. And what evidence could he turn to for proof, standing there with no signs of these things left? He finds himself sitting on the floor with his knees folded under him and can't remember how he got there, can't come up with a reason to get up again. The stranger in the glass is like a collapsed marionette, he thinks distantly. A broken toy someone ought to come and collect. Or one discarded on purpose. Too damaged now to keep. How long he stays there, unmoving, until a knock at the door makes him jump. He doesn't try to guess doesn't think about anything, and that's better. Maybe he's figured it out, after all. This was what he ought to have done all along. Severed everything, let everything pass like reflections over still water. Stayed motionless until he stopped breathing. The door bangs open, ricochets off the wall. Reflexive, he's only half on his feet, before straw hat. All five feet of him, brimming with energy, too loud and too bright between the room's colorless walls. Comes bouncing inside. Shockingly vivid. Shocking in full. Law catches no more than one word in three. Until Straw Hat starts repeating himself. Taro, it's been hours. Let's go. There's dinner. It's not as good as Sanji's, but there's lots. Come outside. You look much better, and it doesn't smell anymore. You don't have to eat it, but you should go. And he's pulling Law along already, indisputable as waves. Dizzied. He doesn't find his tongue until he's already half a dozen steps out the door, stumbling after Straw Hat through the corridor towards the sunlight, pouring in through the hatch. Wait, he says. Wait. Straw Hat stops so abruptly that he runs into his back. And Law suddenly doesn't know what to say doesn't even know why he asked him to stop, now that he has. Stares down at him, and draws up. Nothing. Wait, he says again, helplessly, as though that'll help him figure it out. As though that alone might give him time to know what to say or do now that he's failed so absolutely, annihilated himself for nothing, worse than nothing, to make sense of how his hands belong to someone else and how he's lagging seconds and steps, days 
leagues of sea, behind himself, to find a way back to the surface from where seawater is filling his lungs and the weight of it keeps pressing him deeper. But Luffy is still waiting. Irresistible force stopped without an immovable object, halted with only a word. And how a power like that came to be his, Law gasps out, never mind, and lead the way, blinks hard. There's a moment where Straw Hat stares back at him, searching, eyes wide, unprompted, he tells Law, it's gonna be okay. And Law wonders suddenly if Straw Hat came looking for him out of fear, thinking of what he'd done when they'd first departed Dresrosa. Thought he might try again, try differently. The guilt that's been pushing formlessly at his insides rises violently, tightens his throat, makes it difficult to swallow. And he thinks... Luffy's hand on his like a brand. If only you'd let him kill me. If only you'd been a little more late. If only things had gone the way they should have. It would have all been so much easier then. For him and Straw Hat both. None of this hideous, cowardly thing curled inside his breast. No more worries for Straw Hat. And dead men don't have to live with their failures, don't have to swallow consequences down bitter. I wasn't, falls out of his mouth. If that's what you think, I wasn't. But he would, and he had. And Straw Hat is right to suspect him, distrust him. He's figured that out at last. I know, says Straw Hat, utterly guileless, and tightens his grip on Law's hand and pulls him gently up the steps towards the hatch. For once, Law's the one that has to look up at him, squinting against the harsher light that outlines him from behind, and he's met with a smile, given freely as always. Come on! And his heart beats heavy in his chest as they walk up the steps, and he thinks, wanting, that's something he's never learned how to do. Telling Straw Hat what he desires is an impossibility when he doesn't know how to figure it out for himself, and it's daunting, it's daunting. He's lived for so long as a hand of vengeance. As a ghost, Corazon's will where his own would have been if he hadn't lost it lifetime ago, hadn't left it behind buried in the white city's ashes. Only it wasn't even Corazon's will after all, and where does that leave him? All that he's done for no one, thirteen years erased for a lie he invented, failing Cora even in this most simple of things. Live, Law, but there's something in his heart deeper still than the blood it sends running 
through his veins, hiding under the fear and the ruins of his shattered convictions. Something that stirs when Straw Hat beams at him like he's happy he's there. When he's being pulled along too fast to stop to worry. When he finds himself stunningly unalone. And he thinks, hardly daring, like it might slip through his fingers if he risks looking right at it. I want to be with him. Straw Hat reaches down to pull him up through the hatch into the light. Law grips Straw Hat's calloused hand, follows him out, follows, holds on. The end. I can no longer discern whether the sun is rising or in its setting, inching closer to my own demise. It becomes so apparent what's important to me. Six 